Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Last time we spoke, I broke down the current and potential future of the Colorado Rockies starting pitching staff honing in on three guys who've been pitching really well lately in Austin Gomber, Peter Lambert, and Ty Block. And I promised you that I would get into the flip side of the conversation, which is about why I think the Rockies, probably rightfully so, are going to try to build around the current position player group, despite the fact that as you look at them, There are plenty of things to not be especially thrilled about right now as they continue to lose ball games by large margins and at times look like they don't even belong out there on the field with Atlanta. Now, they very much belonged out there on the field with Tampa and Baltimore. But, you know, what I'm about to get into here, of course, a lot of that are the ups and downs of young players and and getting used to the major leagues. But I think it really helps to take a step back and look at a projected opening lineup for next season. Understanding that this is incredibly premature here, right? What we're really doing isn't so much projecting the opening lineup because an entire offseason can happen, trades can be made, free agents, all of that stuff can happen, then spring training, and then, you know, guys get hurt. Like we saw, you know, last year we expected... Brendan Rodgers to be at second base for the vast majority of this season and Sean Bouchard to be a factor. And he got his first at bat yesterday as my recording of this. And so obviously those things are unknowns that can play out in any number of ways, right? But before any roster changes are made and not knowing the injury future of these guys, This is how specifically I would set it up right now. And I'll talk at the end about what I think the Rockies are actually going to do and what the toughest decisions are to make here. But if it's me, here's how I'm rolling it out. Charlie Blackman, it seems like, is coming back. This is the one big assumption that I'm going to make here. Because of the reporting, because of just talking to Charlie, talking to the team, the way Buddy talks about it, it seems like the writing is on the wall that he wants to come back. I assume... Again, just based on knowing him, certain conversations, he hasn't said anything about this specifically to me. Don't read in between any of that. But it seems incredibly likely to me, given knowledge gained over the last 11 years covering this team, that they will offer him a one-year deal on the lower end of the pay scale. Him understanding that he's probably coming back for one last hurrah, that he wants to do it with the club he spent his whole career with and a place he loves and do it with a team that has a better chance to compete. And the more money he leaves them to spend on, as I said last time, and this is going to be a wild offseason if this ends up being the case, starting pitching, of all things, then I think there is a potential path here for the Rockies to turn it around and be a decent ball club this year, or next year. If you've got Charlie Blackman, as he's been hitting since he's come back from this injury, if you get a full season of him at DH, if he can be healthy and, you know, but I really believe that. And obviously this is a big if, and we'll get, uh, if it doesn't go that way, that you'll have other options at DH. But let's presume right now uh, a healthy one last hurrah, good version of Charlie like we've been seeing lately. You've got him as your DH. Ezekiel Tovar in there at shortstop. He's probably been the steadiest guy on the team all year at 21 years old, playing the most difficult position other than catcher on the diamond. And he's out there 
almost every single day and he's playing gold glove caliber defense and while his offense has not yet risen to the level of this guy's going to be a superstar he's been consistently pretty darn good especially since that first month where he was pretty bad since then he's been a quality hitter right I think just like a lot of the guys we've seen over the years who've come up through the Rockies system whose gloves have been ahead of their bat, which is pretty much all of them. I mean, going back to Nolan Arenado, his first year in the league uh, put up a, a, an OPS plus, WRC plus, very similar to what we're seeing out of Tovar right now in that 85 range. And then obviously he became a hitter. Now, I don't know if Tovar is ever going to be a, a 120-130 guy, but I do think he could be an above average OPS plus WRC plus guy by next year. And he's obviously, he's very, very young, but man, has he taken to major league baseball incredibly well. So I expect to see more out of the bat for Tovar at third in third in the lineup. I should say I've got Nolan Jones in left field. I think you feel pretty good about that right now. That's probably the guy whose bat you feel best about honestly on the team right now, which again, I get is a little bit unnerving because it's not the largest of sample sizes, but it's a bigger sample size now than one that can just be dismissed, as I've talked about before with the comparisons to guys like Sam Hilliard and Joshua Fuentes. Like, we're way out of that territory with Nolan Jones right now. Another big three-run home run last night against a left-handed pitcher who has been absolutely lights out for Toronto this year. And Nolan Jones puts his club onto... I, I'm. I'm trying not to be a runaway train with Nolan Jones because I think the guy's going to be a superstar. I, I And if he puts it all together, a super-duper star because the tools are off the charts, as we've all seen. He's got the best arm in baseball, measurably the best arm in baseball. He's one of the faster runners in the game. He's got some of the best exit velocity. He's hanging in there now left on left and hitting oppo jacks. Like, if this guy's really... And, and his attitude, his demeanor, his energy is everything that this team needs and quite frankly something that they've needed for a long time and never really had since cargo and 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 Gerardo Parra though Parra obviously wasn't quite a star level player but that kind of energy that that you know boosts everybody around you so Nolan Jones I think really is uh, just a massive get for this team in fourth, and obviously we know the the difficulties he's had staying on the field but I've got right now Brendan Rodgers and batting at second base. I've got a similar situation. So obviously I'm going left, right, left, right here. And in sixth, I've got Chris Bryant. You could switch these around, right? Depending on who's hitting in spring training, who's healthy and all of that stuff. I think either of those guys can be cleanup guys. Neither guy can give you a decent amount of thump out of the sixth spot. Obviously, you're hoping for better health seasons for both of those guys next year. And those are the big question marks. And so I'll kind of get back to them. And sandwiched in between their batting fifth, I've got stalwart Ryan McMahon. He just, I think he is what he is at this point. Uh, league average hitter, essentially. But who plays up with the bat because there's going to be a bit of pop in there. And he's going to have those stretches where he gets really hot and wins you a couple of ball games uh, by himself almost, right? And then here's where it gets really fascinating because I've penciled in at seventh Elias Diaz, but he's a free agent. So this is again, a little bit of an assumption that I'm making that the Rockies are going to bring back Diaz. And as you look at the rest of this, it, it kind of shows you the reason why, right? If they want to coalesce 
around what they have. The last thing you want is a big new question mark at catcher. It may actually work out in the Rockies' favor that the fact that Diaz hasn't finished the year especially well might just make him cheaper, right? If he wants to stay here because he's comfortable here, I I think it, it was great that he was an all-star. I loved his first half. I loved, loved, loved that he got to be the MVP of the all-star game. I don't think he's a star catcher. I think that was a great first half. And I think we've seen there was a, a season a couple of years ago where he had a great second half. I think that's the kind of player he is and is going to be. And that's okay at catcher, right? You'll take a guy who's got a great arm, can control the running game, has an excellent rapport with the pitchers, and can get hot for a half a season and play at a star level. But then for the other half, you know, you're, you're not going to get much out of him. Right. I think you can live with that at catcher. And I think you'll find if you're going and looking for someone who's going to do better than that, the the list of guys is incredibly short before getting into. Obviously, I'll I'll look specifically this offseason. We'll get into all the free agent talk. It's a little bit early for that. But philosophically speaking, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if for consistency sake, because of a mutual like, because everyone in that clubhouse loves and respects Elias Diaz. And they don't just bring him back and slot him into anywhere. Remember, there were times in the middle of the season where it made absolutely perfect sense that he was batting cleanup almost every single day, right? And then when he's batting like he is now, you can slide him down as I have here into the seventh or whatever, and you've still got a solid catcher back there. I've penciled in batting eighth, Elaris Montero playing first base because I've got Charlie DHing and I've got Chris Bryant in right field. Now, that doesn't give you your absolute best defensive setup if you've got Bryant and Wright and Montero at first, but in my mind, that gives you your best chance at offense. That's where I see the biggest possibility for improvement for the offense. A healthy Chris Bryant, and again, I know I know how that sounds, I know how it feels, so I'll say, and we'll get into this later, a bunch of his stuff here, especially this most recent thing with getting hit in the finger, totally freakish, right? It's not impossible, nor is it even especially implausible to believe that Chris Bryant could play more games next season than he has in these last couple of seasons combined, right? But you can't count on it. It's just a thing. It's an avenue where quite a bit of improvement could come from having Bryant out there, even if he never fully regains his power that he had in Chicago, even his contact rates that he's put up as a Rocky improves your lineup and then of course with Monty that's just the guy of the group uh you know with Tolia and and those guys that I Tolia is the one I'm, I'm a little less high on he gives you much higher defense if you've got him at first base but I haven't seen the improvement this season that I was really hoping to see out of Michael Tolia it was up to me uh you know he's still a guy I'd like around for certain depth options and, and certain defensive options. But if there's a team out there that really loves him and they think that they can fix his swing and they'll give you some pitching for him, you know, cause I've heard some people suggest this about Montero that because the team doesn't seem to be as high on Montero. And I agree. I'm very frustrated with the fact that they're not giving him as many plate appearances, certainly as I would, that maybe Monty is the guy that should be traded. But in my mind, there's just more there, there with 
Montero's offense. I, I He hit a home run yesterday as of me talking here. He's making better contact. I'm seeing the adjustments. I'm seeing the better at bats. When he connects with it, I know it's true of Tolia too. When he connects with it, it goes a long way. But I, I, I see it there with Montero. And I don't think his defense at first base is particularly awful. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. So you you have if this is what you're going to do, especially and by the way, spoiler alert at ninth, I've got Brenton Doyle playing center field every day, all day until he stops playing defense like that. I don't care if he never gets a base hit the rest of his life. <laughs> well, I do, but uh, but because of stuff like that, and and like I'm talking about not necessarily being sure what you're going to get out of the catcher position, which is how Major League Baseball works for most teams. You need to get as much offense as you possibly can out of that first base spot. The other big X factor here is, of course, Hunter Goodman. How he finishes the end of this season, I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you this, I don't like his defense at first at all. And if you're bringing back Charlie and Chris Bryant is healthy to start the season, and you're not especially in love with Montero's defense, those are guys who are sort of in front of Hunter Goodman in terms of DHing right now. But if you make moves or those guys are hurt or if Goodman just rakes for this last month, maybe you are trading both Tolia and Montero and making him your first base or making Bryant your first baseman and you're calling up a, a Yankel Fernandez. You're just going to put Tolia out there in the outfield, though that could create another big hole in the lineup. So... Goodman is probably the guy who has the most ability to impact this. You know, what group of players are you coalescing around and who ends up on the outside of that? Is it Montero because he's got the most trade value? Is it Tolia because he's the guy you're not sure is going to work out as much or just isn't the the perfect fit? Um you know, does Goodman end up having a whole bunch of value? And because you're building your team around a defensive concept, you surprise everybody and move him after a hot season. You know, there there's options here, but I think it's interesting because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say they got to go and get one more bat. But if you're going to do that, and, and I don't disagree that the offense needs absolutely an injection of power. But I think as you look at that, Blackman, Tovar, Jones, Rogers, McMahon, Bryant, Diaz, Montero, and Doyle, you can get power out of that lineup. Now, when you're when you start experiencing the injuries, you've got behind them guys like Goodman, maybe Yankel Fernandez by next year, Tolia. Now they're gonna need a backup catcher, and that almost always ends up being an Austin Wins type. I don't think Drew Romo is quite ready for the show. It's 88 WRC plus in double A this year at age 21. That's good. That's promising, but that's not ready for the show. That's, that's perfectly acceptable, but you know, he'd have to have a really, really good finish to the season and a really hot spring training to make the club out of the gate. So it's likely to be the case that your backup catcher is another Austin wins type or, you know, Nick Hundley type. It's, it's almost always those types of guys, right? One thing to keep in mind, and again, not real hot on the idea, especially after I saw Hunter Goodman airmail a relatively easy throw to second base on a pickoff move where they absolutely had the guy the other night. Uh, Goodman does have catcher on his resume as a backup 
maybe emergency type of thing. I don't think it's something you want to do once a week. And remember when Diaz was really going early in the season, he was catching a ton, which is probably also a factor in why he's, you know, fatiguing here in the end of the season. I haven't seen him do it. I don't have any feel for the rest of the nuances of catching, calling a game, his hands behind the plate, blocking stuff. Uh, But the arm is something I'm certainly not impressed by at this point. And really, I want Hunter Goodman focused on hitting the baseball, right? That, I think, is your your biggest hope there. And I think he's the guy who steps in as a DH in the event of any of these veterans, if Blackman and Bryant are still on the team and one of them goes down, then Goodman steps in and becomes your DH. I don't want to see him out there in the field too much. Uh, but again, I, even some stuff at first base, there was a, a play the other day with Freeland on the hill. Swinging bunt, or maybe it was an actual bunt up the third baseline, Freeland with a really good athletic play. Spins, throws, gets it there. Short hops him for sure, but you know a lot of first basemen are going to have that, and, and Goodman just didn't, didn't make the play. And those are the kinds of things that at Coors Field over the course of a game and over the course of a season really add up, especially. And why there is so much value to a guy like totally different position, but let me hit this one more time. Brenton Doyle taking runs off the board Almost every single game, shortening those innings, getting your pitcher off of the hill and back into the dugout and focused on the next inning instead of out there having to deal with not only all the difficulties of pitching at Coors Field to begin with, but then outs behind you that should have been made not being made or that could have been made not being made. And then we get to the flip side of it and you're taking things that should have been hits, should have been extra base hits and turning them into outs. It's just of massive value and the team is built to be so good defensively that I just don't think it's a good idea to have a liability at any particular position because it kind of undercuts I've often drawn the comparison to basketball it's like having a really really good defensive team that can't rebound like you can stop the other team from you know shooting but if they keep getting the ball back (laughs) they're eventually gonna score Right, So if you've got like a bad first baseman defensively or a bad catcher defensively with all these incredible outfielders and infielders, it it's not going to work. But if you're comfortable and confident with Montero at first base, that's what I would run with. If they're not, then you do almost certainly need to trade him. And it'd be a bummer to see him go. And it would be weird to see them essentially bail on that bit of the the Nolan Arenado trade though different GM I guess but I do think that you know Montero and Goodman are the two guys right now who were showing who need to show that they can get into this lineup and be something where you think yeah okay there's another 20 home runs that they didn't have in 2023 that they're going to have in 24 and I, I think both those guys have that type of profile but of course you've got to see it at the major league level but that's all before you do start looking into Yankel Fernandez, who's coming up real hot. Zach Veen's going to hopefully be healthy next year. Uh, Drew Romo, like I said, not too far away and at a premium position, so that's going to be a factor. A few other guys that have been hanging around that I've mentioned, like Aaron Schunk. The Rockies have, in my view, a lot of potential at position player here. 
And so while I, again, I understand the kind of desire to go out and get one more big bat, right? Someone who you can almost be sure is going to hit you 25 plus home runs and, you know, bat well if they play to their, their career numbers. Again, I'm almost seeing too many position player guys for positions. And I see gigantic holes in the starting rotation. So to me, it just does not make any sense to add to the position player mix unless you're talking about maybe one or two, you know, veteran type guys on cheap deals who you think might be rebound candidates and and could have a big year here or there. Let's see how they do in spring training. But with the expectation that you're going to run with this group and the other young guys who are coming up behind them. And if they do that, the prudent thing to do, Rockies fans, is to spend money on starting pitching. So let's have that conversation. Probably not next time. We'll do that uh, as the season is coming to a close, as I can get a little bit better look at who the free agents out there are going to be, because I think that really is going to determine strategy. It's easy for me to sit here and say, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. You shouldn't spend all your money on one pitcher. And I almost certainly will end up coming down on that. I think it's just best to try to spread it out. If for no other reason, then there's more than one hole in your rotation. You need multiple guys anyway. But as we've seen throughout history, right, paying a guy a whole bunch of money for great production somewhere else and expecting him to come here and repeat that is just a very high failure rate on that concept, right? Where you have actually found some of these randos throughout the year who you don't pay a ton and you bring in on a, you know, a five to $10 million a year deal. And they go out there and they end up kind of randomly having a decent little Chad cool type of season for you, you know? And so I, I think that ultimately will probably be the way to go. But every once in a while, I'll fall, fall in love with a specific profile as well. I'll be like, oh, no, this is the guy I really want them to go and get, which, of course, then they never do. But that'll be fun to talk about when we get there. But as I look around at this team, literally, I mean that as I stand in the clubhouse and I look around at the team they just look like a group of guys who are playing together, playing for each other, learning the game, growing, enjoying the process of learning and growing together, not letting the losses eat at them, not accepting them, not being okay with losing by any means, but understanding that what they're doing now is trying to build the foundations of something that they can really take to another level next year. And I think with this position player group, there's a, there's a special, special unit here. And they're going to add to it with some of these other guys they've been teammates with in the minors. So it has the markings of a lot of other Rockies teams of the past that have done well. This is how it worked in 2007 to 2010, that group where they all kind of came up around the same time. Matt Holliday, Troy Tulowitzki, Garrett Atkins, Brad Hopp. All those guys came up, were, were played on the same minor league teams together. Similar thing in 2017 and 2018 with Trevor Story, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Tyler Anderson. All those guys played together. Rymel Tapia, they were all in the same minor league teams together, right? And ended up being able to propel those teams into back-to-back postseason spots. So... I think the Rockies have the makings of that same type of surge here from a position player standpoint. 
there are intriguing arms in the system. So that's what we're going to do next time is talk about the farm system. Because what I've mostly done on these last two shows is focus in on what's major league ready. But the other thing to do the deep dive about, and I'll start with the pitching because it's a lot more important, is where are the minor leagues? You know, with the injury to Gabriel Hughes and Jordy Vargas, you know, do they have guys internally who can maybe solve this problem because we do know the difficulties of going out and spending big money on starting pitching so we'll do that next time but thank you for listening into this one about the position players that i really do think are coming together as a special team so let me know what you think about that you can hit me up on twitter or you can always slide into dms and ask me about the discord channel other than that i only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark